Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Live Inspired Monday Morning Moments podcast with John O'Leary. I record these every week so you and I can begin our Mondays and our weeks in awe and on fire with the burst of inspiration. Let's get after it. I'm going to begin with a word I'm just learning. You ready for it? Kergraf. Kergraf. This word designates a gravesite of one of the greatest artists of all time. The story of how this man was ultimately buried there and what this word means carries important lessons not only about art, but far more about life. Let me explain. Rembrandt Harmazun van Rijn was born in 1606. Profoundly gifted as an artist, Rembrandt revolutionized new techniques portraying light and shadows. With his unique style, he painted hundreds of portraits throughout his life. He became fabulously wealthy and internationally famous. Personally, Rembrandt found love. He married. He had five children. He was respected at home and beloved around the world. In other words, you ready? His life was perfect. His life was perfect. And then that perfect life tragically began to unravel. Three of his five children died in infancy. The two children who survived infancy, well, they both passed away before their dad. His wife, Sakia, she died during childbirth. The heartbroken painter was unable to paint for several years, and he lost favor in high society. The wealth that Rembrandt amassed depleted in time. The fame he enjoyed eroded during the last decade of his life. And on October 4th, 1669, one of the greatest painters in history passed away with no surviving family, with no fanfare, and with no assets, no money at all. Like all the destitute of his time, Rembrandt was buried in an unmarked grave. The markings for this master and the other castaways buried with him simply stated, Kurgraph. There it is, Kurgraph. It designated that all those who were buried here were lumped together in a church-owned grave, Kergraf. Shortly before dying, one of his final paintings, though, would become one of his most remarkable and most important works. Earlier in his life, Rembrandt painted a rendition of a parable from Scripture called The Prodigal Son. Rembrandt painted a young man carousing, a woman seated on his lap, a drink being lifted high in his left hand. The prodigal son, with his arm on the woman's back, gleefully stares at us from the canvas, and he's smugly laughing. At the high point of his life, Rembrandt painted himself as the prodigal son. It was one of almost 100 paintings he did of of himself. Rembrandt, let me put it to you this way. Rembrandt was into selfies before the iPhone was invented, okay? About 400 years before the iPhone, Rembrandt was doing selfies. Years later... After the profound losses and nearing his own death, he returned to the parable of the prodigal son and he painted it again. Rembrandt now knew the ache of lonely nights, the sting of empty chairs around the table. He knew struggles financially, he understood irrelevance professionally, and he endured pain every day physically. He knew, in other words, both the joy of life and the sorrow of loss. The painting captures the return of the prodigal son, a shattered son returning after squandering his father's inheritance. The son kneels before his dad, begging for mercy. 
The boy is missing a sandal. He has the shaved head of a slave. His clothes are torn. He is broke, and he is broken. Off to the right stands his older, judgmental brother. The brother is perfectly dressed. He's staring down. He's wringing his hands together, judging his young brother. He's disapproving of the choices that his brother made, his decision to come home, and he's disapproving of the manner in which his father seems to be treating his brother. And then that brings us to the final character in the portrait. It's the dad. It's the father. He's royally dressed, emanating light, compassionately leaning forward. He envelops his son in both arms. His left hand is masculine. It's muscular. It's large. It's pulling his boy toward him. His right hand is feminine. It's genteel. It's loving. It's soothing his son's pain. The masterpiece today hangs in St. Petersburg, and it is widely regarded as one of his greatest paintings of all. It's a great painting. The painting moved me to such a degree that I have a copy of it hanging in my office. It informs the work that I do. I love this painting. My friends, when Rembrandt's life was perfect, he saw himself as a central character in the middle of a party. After a lifetime of experiences, though, he recognized the need for compassion, for grace, for acceptance, for love. It's the type of moment that can only be captured by someone who knew both joy and sorrow of life. And Rembrandt knew both well. But he's not alone, is he? So do I. And so do you. So do we all. A paradox of life is that while we may actively pursue fun and ease and success, it's actually when we get stripped of those things we recognize how precious life is, what ultimately matters most, and our absolute need for compassion and love and grace. We don't exactly know today where Rembrandt is buried. How could we? It was unmarked. We do, however, have the masterpiece he produced at the end of his life as an example of the perfect acceptance and love still possible in all of our lives. Come on home, my friends, won't you? My friends, this is your day. What a gift. Create your masterpiece and live inspired. So for this time, I want to thank you all for tuning in to our Live Inspired podcast as we roll into September. And until next time, my name is John O'Leary, and today is your day. What a gift. Live inspired.